You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a podcast supported by listeners like you. To contribute, visit patreon.com slash I Have Some Notes. Hey, Scott, I have a pitch for you. Oh, hit me with it. What if we paid writers and actors a fair wage in relation to the ever-evolving technological landscape that has upended labor as we know it? Uh, and I, the studio, would make marginally less money? <laughs> no! I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes, the movie podcast with cuts, keeps, punch-ups, and tweaks on mediocre movies. I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beavert. And today, we will be discussing The Brain That Wouldn't Die, a science fiction B-movie from 1962. But 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 I have some notes, guys. It's a new season. You're, you're kicking off a, an all-new season of this beloved podcast. Why, why, oh, why would you do a movie from 1962? Yeah, why, why wouldn't you open with a recent, like, Marvel blockbuster, like Ant-Man Quantumania? Greg, do you want to answer that for our curious listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, we here at I Have Some Notes are um, strong believers in fair pay and favorable working conditions for writers and actors. and Everybody. Yeah. Um, and SAG after has actually requested that um, influencers and even fans um, refrain from promoting films and TV shows from struck companies. Um, and, you know, Marvel's one of those companies. And in fact, most of the uh, of the studios that we would typically spend our days rewriting uh, are now struck works. So that means that uh, until... There is a resolution, a fair resolution to uh, to these strikes. Um, we will stand in solidarity with the the laborers. Mm-hmm. And to to do that, we then obviously had to retool some of the aspects of the podcasts. Uh, so it's going to be a very exciting season. Uh, we got some big ideas in the works, some cool side notes, premises. Uh, we're looking into some international films, perhaps because those don't qualify as struck work. Uh, in certain scenarios. Uh, and also, uh, we thought it was prudent to maybe take a look at some films from the public domain, therefore uh, not struck work. And instead of giving it the usual, I have some notes treatment of like, this 70 year old movie really drags on the third act. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we are instead going to approach this uh, from the perspective of remaking it for a modern audience. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the plan today with the brain that wouldn't die. Yeah, and if you if you haven't seen the brain that wouldn't die just yet, you can pause this uh, podcast right now and then go over to YouTube where it is free to watch in multiple different versions. If you want to watch a colorized version of it, you can. If you want to watch it in the in the original black and white, you can certainly do that. I will say that I watched the colorized version and it was a bit weird. Uh, it, the colorization was not consistent and it <laughs> kind of occasionally felt like I was watching Pleasantville in a weird way <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I also watched the colorized version and it was interesting. 
See, I watched mine in black and white because I, I found it on Tubi, uh, the free streaming service Tubi, and noticed that not only was there, there were three entries actually for um, The Brain That Wouldn't Die. There was the original film. There was a 2020 remake, and we'll we'll discuss that in a moment. Sure. Uh, and there was also an uncensored version. And I was like, well, I got to watch this uncensored version. <laughs> um, I don't know what would have been sensed. <laughs> um, it, maybe it was the bloody arm. Maybe it was the boob. There were boobs in mine. Were there boobs in your guys' one? Oh, no. No. Oh, okay, no, then that's no probably boobs. the boobs. Oh, we missed out on boobs, Scott. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Dang it. I am... Not surprised to learn that there is an uncensored boob version of this film because it is, there are some very like exploitative scenes in yeah. the film. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it to the point where it's almost like there was some studio exec who was like, you know, what would make this uh cerebral sci fi horror movie better <laughs> if we made it into uh, a crazy sex romp um, <laughs> because there's a whole act of this movie where the, where the main character uh, is looking for a woman's body. And we'll get into a, a plot summary shortly. Uh, and it turns into this almost like a weird college sex romp. <laughs> it's very tonally inconsistent. <laughs> uh, I guess that, that I think I know the answer to this one. Ask anyway, was this everyone's first time watching uh, the brain that wouldn't die? It was for me, actually. It was I'm, for me. I'm a little surprised to admit. Yeah. It was for me, too. It's a film from 30 years before I was born. Greg, had you? is it not a famous Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode? I have probably technically seen this movie more than 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it, it's actually in, in Mystery Science Theater lore, this movie's kind of an important episode because it is the first time that Mike Nelson is host of Mystery Science Theater. Mm, damn. Interesting. Um, the reason I say that I'm surprised I haven't seen The Brain That Wouldn't Die before is twofold. Number one, because I also have watched some MST3K over my time, but this one is one that just passed me by. I haven't watched mm. the whole series. This is one of the ones that I haven't seen. The second reason is because I have like a boxed DVD collection of like 50 classic black and white horror movies. Most of them are public domain films. The Brain That Wouldn't Die is in that collection, and I hadn't gotten to it yet. Oh, really? So, I yeah. wonder what version you have. Probably the censored version, let's be yeah. fair. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's get into uh, some of the details about this, because I don't, unlike Ant-Man, I don't think this is a movie our, our listeners are likely to have seen, unless you're diehard back nine MST3K fans. <laughs> um, so, of course, Brain That Wouldn't Die, 1962, uh, directed by Joseph Green. Uh, this is one of the Vlogbrothers, right? I'm just kidding. It was a joke. Uh, <laughs> written by Rex Carlton and Joseph Wish Green. right over my head. <laughs> uh, cast uh, a fellow named Jason Evers as Dr. Bill Cortner. Virginia Leith as Jan Compton, uh, his fiance. Uh, Anthony Lepena as Kurt, uh, Contra's assistant, and Adele Lamont as Doris Powell. Um, less so you know the actors more, so you know the characters' names as we go deep on on what we would do to, to bring this uh, into the 21st century. And because I assume you haven't seen it, we're going to get right into the plot summary here for you so you know what's going on. And I think we all have some pretty big ideas on how we would make this a modern masterpiece. Let me die. Let me die. 
brain kept alive by experimental science, by a man whose abnormal passions inspired him to try the impossible. I brought her back. She'll live and I'll get her another body. Yes, what of her soul? How can you make of her an experiment of horror? His mad ambitions and desires threaten every woman possessing an attractive body. Girls whose measurements make them beauty contest participants. Professional figure models such as this. All are prey to his distorted desires. What's locked behind that door? Horror. No normal mind can imagine. Something even more terrible than you. Horror has its ultimate. And I'm that. After saving a patient who had been pronounced dead, brilliant but egotistical surgeon Dr. Bill Cortner and his beautiful fiancée Jan Compton are involved in a terrible car accident which decapitates her. Bill recovers her severed head and rushes to his secluded lab in the basement of his country home. He and his assistant Kurt revive her head using a serum of Bill's design. Jan's new existence is agony, and she begs Bill to let her die, but Bill's come too far to let a little agony stop him now, and he decides to murder another woman and stick Jan's head onto her. Bill begins to hunt for a suitable specimen with no luck. Meanwhile, at the country house, Jan begins communicating telepathically with a hideous mutant Frankenstein monster, which has been locked in the laboratory closet. Kurt leaves a hatch in the cell door unlocked, allowing the monster to grab him, tear off his arm, and kill him. Meanwhile, Bill lures a figure model named Doris Powell to his house, promising to fix her scarred face with new tissue. He drugs her and carries her to the laboratory. Jan protests Bill's plan to transplant her head onto Doris's body, of course. She uses her telepathy to get the monster to make a ruckus. When Bill goes to quiet it, it grabs Bill through the same hatch Kurt left open. That's two points for the hatch. Bill struggles with the monster who sets the laboratory ablaze and ultimately dies of monster bite. As the lab goes up in flames, Jan says, I told you to let me die. The screen goes black, followed by Jan's maniacal cackle, welcoming her long-awaited death. Yeah, that was the weirdest part of the film for me. Is um, is Jan's character the fact that it ends with the phrase "the head that wouldn't die"? Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I will say um, of the casting. I mean, this is this is pretty like low budget horror. Uh, very shoestring budget horror, in fact. Um, Jason Evers as Dr. Bill Cortner came across really flat in the early part of the movie, and he starts to get a little more alive toward the end. But Virginia Leith as the titular brain that wouldn't die is really good in this movie, you guys. I thought she was really good in this movie. Um, she does a lot with the fact that she's just a head on a plate. Uh, for most of the film, uh, she makes some interesting choices and I was like, wow, like kudos to her. She, she really took this and ran with it in an interesting way and, and did a lot with what she had to do. So mm-hmm. I just yeah. wanted to give Virginia Leith a little shout out there. I think she's excellent in this film. It, and it couldn't have been a comfortable shoot. No, you know, presumably <laughs> she's on her knees with her head stuck through a table for most of it with whatever goop that, you know, 1960s filmmaker filmmakers <laughs> put around her head, probably something filled with lead. 
That's my guess. It's, just, it's lead paint running through yeah. these pipes. <laughs> I was, and the lead I was paint also, looks better. Shut up. What what color was it in the colored version? Because it was just kind of like, you know. It was know. just black. It was mm-hmm. kind of black. Yeah. Yeah. I was also legit surprised we saw the monster because I was like, there's no way there's enough budget to show a monster in this movie. And then boom, monster. And I was like, oh, it's Sloth from the Goonies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they really put it on, all the money's up there on screen. Literally all the money is in. Yeah, that was it's kind and, of a, a cross a lot. between Sloth and uh, and Dan Aykroyd's Conehead. <laughs> See, I got talks. I, I watched Toxic Avenger recently because they're they're remaking that. Um, I don't know if I, I guess maybe I can't talk about that. That struck work. Um, but uh, I, I did watch Toxic Avenger and I got Toxie vibes because he's got the droopy eye and the sort of mm-hmm. like yeah. mushy face. I don't know that they spent a lot of money in the on those prosthetics for. I guess I I, I would assume that they kind of figured he's not on screen very much. Doesn't matter because he kind of we'll looked just, like his head was wrapped in toilet paper, and then they sort of like put some paper machine or plaster yeah. over it. <laughs> and I was going to say it was it was a little paper mache looking thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They got a no, really no big guy to do it fun. though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, you know, for a movie that's I suppose famously an MST3K movie, this one's not terrible it's quite a watchable film actually oh that's <laughs> i hate to say that's generous strong, I got very, strong statement very bored <laughs> uh there uh, the first part of the movie drags there's a lot of like padding with like bill doing science for mm-hmm. like minutes at a time but like the the last half of the movie like picks up pace quite a that's bit fair. and and it ends and it ends big mm-hmm. like it builds up to something so yeah, i i found it pretty watchable i didn't hate it I I, th- I think it's uh definitely in the watchable zone. I I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't necessarily bored. Um, the only thing like like you Scott like there like the pacing is is definitely very slow at the at the start. And I was yep. remarking to Aaron that like if you edited this in a in a modern way, it would be a half hour. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the, specifically of the opening surgery scene. Um, where Bill Cortner is showing up his dad and saving the life of the patient with his uh, crazy new techniques. And there's just like a long shot of him working on, and you can't see his hands because they're yeah. not doing anything, <laughs> right? So it's just literally just them standing there essentially for what feels like five minutes. <laughs> it's two doctors' faces and you're like, and now we're the camera's gonna, gonna you know. Yeah. Uh, pan down and we're going to see the the table that they're working on. No, it's just two guys in masks. Sorry. Yeah. I will I will also add that I was very surprised that the dad did not figure into the rest of the plot in any way. Yeah. Like he's there weird. to set he's there to as part of the setup, he mentions the country house and stuff. I was really expecting him to show up at the climax and be like, "Bill, my god, what have you done?" Nothing. Spoiler alert, that might figure into my remake, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. In my in my version, I've eliminated them completely. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, he is he's superfluous. We'll put it that way. Yeah. He, you either you either make him a more important character or you cut him completely. I'm OK with either. Uh, one of the things I really enjoyed and I, I always enjoy about movies made before the synthesizer uh, is just the frenetic, jazzy. Uh, score it's just mm-hmm. like good movies have it bad movies have it <laughs> like pretty much until they invented the synthesizer all mo- all movies if you wanted any kind of like freneticism or action or bubbly bumpiness yeah. you got a jazz band to be like <laughs> yeah 
and that's sick. And I'm, it's about the only thing I'm keeping for my my remake. Um, now, I, I feel like we should touch on that 2020 remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually they tweeted back at us when we put out yeah. the uh, the call for this, and they were like, "Someone well, this is has how we did it. Google alerts on." <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I feel like before we get into ours, we should touch on theirs um, because theirs is essentially almost a shot for shot remake of this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, also they, have a good five minute chunk of just two doctors' heads. That's not true. I, I haven't seen that. <laughs> well, no, and I, I haven't watched it either. I, I'll preface that we just I did not have the time this week to do it with everything else that was going on. But from the trailer that I did watch, yes, it looks like it's the same dialogue. It's a lot yep. of the same kind of framing. They were yep. doing a very faithful remake of this movie with some new plot elements added in to kind of jazz it up and make it their own. There's yep. like a detective that they added in in their version. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going a little more modern on our take though, right? Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm We're not, fully reimagining yeah. this from, from kind of from the, the ground up. I'm keeping the brain and the not dying. Yeah. Uh, those are the two. <laughs> and the jazz yeah, no, soundtrack. And I'm, and I'm, I'm like that just, just so that we can like get out the gate. We're not looking at a shot for shot remake. We're going to put a really modern spin on this. We're going to, we're gonna dribble some some brain juice on this, yeah. but also kudos for them for for uh, yeah. uh, loving this one enough to be like, no, we got to get this in good slick looking color with some modern actors, some modern absolutely modern goo, no more lead paint for our yeah. head. Yeah, um, and it's also on Tubi. It's if you want to watch it, it's on Tubi. Is it is it on Tubi for free? Yep. Oh damn! Oh, I wish I had I wish I had thought I had known that. I thought it was Am- on Amazon, and I I, I would have watched it otherwise. Darn it. I- I don't know if they're listening to this episode. I don't know if they'll reply to this, but I am wondering because in one of the shots in the, uh, in the trailer, uh, Bill is using his, his reanimation serum or whatever to bring the head back (laughs) and it's glowing green. And I was like, is that, is that a reference to reanimator? Is that a reanimator reference? I'm a hundred percent certain it is. It it has to be. I'd love them to confirm it. This movie is just reanimator 20 (laughs) years early. It's the same premise. It's, it's a stoic guy who's like, I'm really determined to get this science done. Nobody's going to tell me there's bad science. I, I love my wife and I have no scientific scruples. These are my two characteristics. Yeah. No, there's definitely some, some like proto reanimator in there. There's definitely some Dr. Frankenstein in there. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's a fun little sci-fi horror movie. Every 30 years, someone needs to just make a work of fiction about, you know, people getting jacked up on goo and coming back to life on body parts. <laughs> Mary, Mary Shelley, these guys, reanimator. End of list. And now it's our turn. <laughs> yeah. Also, now I'm aware turn. Frankenstein wasn't written 30 years before 1962. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> before the pen ends, get in there. Yeah. yeah. Shut up. Shut up, <laughs> math nerds. <laughs> All right, should we remake this movie, guys? Uh yeah. We want to get into it. Who wants to who wants to start? Uh I can go and I, I wanna preface this with I, I wrote a lot. <laughs> so uh I hope you you will come on this journey with me. <laughs> because <laughs> sure. it, it's gonna take a little bit a few minutes to get through. So um I see Bill Cortner in a modern re- remake as a cross between Martin Scarelli and Stockton Rush. And okay. for anyone who isn't familiar, <laughs> uh, Scarelli is the farmer bro ghoul 
who raised the cost of AIDS medication over 5,000%. And Rush is the lunatic millionaire who got four people killed trying to reach the wreck of the Titanic in a pop-down <laughs> submarine. <laughs> so that's my inspiration for, for Dr. Bill Cortner, um, who isn't a doctor in my version, actually, uh, at least not officially. Uh, instead, he's a like a young, preppy, rich uh, kid born with like the silverest of spoons in his mouth. Uh, his parents uh, pulled a Lori Laughlin to get him into university, uh, where he was meant to become a medical doctor, but was mostly concerned with money, power, and women. Uh, so he flunked out. Luckily. Uh, University was where he met Kurt, a brilliant scientist at the top of his class. Um, like in the 1962 version, Kurt uh, was involved in an unfortunate accident, disfiguring his arm. Um, so that inspired him to write his dissertation on his revolutionary theories about transplantation. Um, and Bill is the guy bankrolling it. Correct. Yes. But taking credit <laughs> for it, but also taking credit for it. I like Yeah, exact exactly. Like he uh he convinces Kurt uh that he can use his funding and resources um to to uh practice his controversial theories in exchange for, like you said, Scott, uh getting the wine share of the credit and the profits like a true tech bro would. Um uh, in the present, they run their experiments out of Bill's father's secluded home, uh, paying off like a dirty coroner or something to acquire all the corpses they need for their research. Um, Bill himself contributes very little to the research. He only understands the basics of Kurt's theories. Instead, he spends most of his time with uh, Jan Compton, uh, and she's a former classmate uh, and the only one of the three of them that actually has a medical license. Um, Bill like waxes poetic about the work he and Kurt are doing, claiming that they're like punk rock doctors and they're on the verge of changing the world. Uh, Jan like tries to show interest in what they're up to, but whenever she presses Bill for details, he just claims it's out of her league and he essentially like negs her to stay <laughs> out of his affairs. Right. So Jan gets this sense that she's, fallen for the wrong person on the surface she's finds reasons to justify his behavior but inside she feels trapped by him um okay. one night the two are drinking poolside and it, and you know it's a rich estate and he, they've got one of those infinity pools and you've seen those that sort of like seamlessly leap off the edge of a mountain um oh the yeah, two, yeah yeah the two the two get into a huge fight about uh bill's lack of respect and trust for jan the fight continues upstairs into bill's room and out to the balcony and then uh, or out to the balcony sort of like above the the infinity pool as the fight becomes more intense jan slips falling over the railing down towards the water uh where her head is lopped clean off by the pool's glass barrier mm. now bill is looking at her a floating head in the pool and he sees his future disappearing his chance at greatness his god-given right to fame and fortune so Quickly, he's got to get right to work. So he collects her soggy head from the water and he immediately brings it to Kurt, telling him to use the experimental serum they've developed to keep Jan alive. Kurt objects, reminding him of the locked cellar uh, in the basement where another experiment lurks. Jan awakes in terrible pain, begging to be allowed to die. 
Kurt, who's actually had a, uh, a crush on her for a long time, pleads with Bill to end this madness. But Kurt is just too meek. He's just he's overpowered by Bill's ego. Bill's um, got a big personality. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to, uh, determined to save his own ass, uh, Bill sets out to find a replacement body. And he ends up at like a brothel hoping to isolate a victim. He finds a woman who matches Jen, uh, Jan's features. I'll, sorry, Scott, I'll get to you in a second. But uh, works to convince her to, to come with him. But the police raid the joint. So we get like a, a chase scene in which Bill barely escapes the cops. Go ahead. You're going to add something. Well, I was going to actually ask, why does he need a new body? What happened to her original body? Because in the original movie, her body gets burnt up in the car crash. Oh, it falls off the mountain because he gets. Well, it's just gone. Yeah, He's lost. It. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Okay, <laughs> he'll never get. He'll never get that shit back. And even if he does, it, it would just be like, yeah. So her. So if, if you've seen an infinity pool before, they like they just like disappear into the into the uh, you know into yeah. whatever they're uh, they're off the edge of right. So her head goes into the pool. Her body goes. Down the mountain. I just wanted to to be very right. clear. Good the clarification. Good clarification. Okay. <laughs> well, we are break for questions. I also had a question. It was my sure. understanding this is going to be a modern remake. A uh, sorry, a brothel, Greg. A, <laughs> a brothel. Wow, maybe. <laughs> maybe <they don't> <laughs> it's a strip club. It's a strip club. Yeah, sure, some sort of something like that. Sex workers congregation <laughs> a, area. A stri- I just a, like a sh- that you called it a brothel, like the <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. It's, it's, it's a shady strip club that gets raided by the police. It makes I, I it follows I track. They don't call them brothels anymore. Uh, <laughs> back at the lab, uh, Jan tries to convince Kurt to unplug her, but he refuses to cross Bill. Uh, I'm sorry, I like the idea that brothel shows up on a credit card statement. <laughs> uh, Kurt's spinelessness disgusts Jan, and she finally calls him out on it. Feeling rejected from her once more, Kurt lashes out and promises her that even if Bill finds her a new body, that she's basically going to live in agony forever. Um, so Kurt leaves the lab, slamming the door along the way. Um, Kurt's fo- footsteps slowly become inaudible, uh, and yet there's still a banging noise, and Jan realizes it's coming from the cellar. Now, the next morning, Bill leaves again to find a new body. Um, this is where he comes across his old friend Donna walking alone. You know, this is a perfect target, just like in the movie proper. However, you know, Donna's friend interrupts them, and Bill is forced to have uh, a coffee with the both of them. So, in the in this scene, he's, like, visibly annoyed. He's trying to get out of the interaction. Okay, that's uh, in my version, too. <laughs> no, yeah, nice. <laughs> the, the game of him trying to get a woman isolated, and then a second one keeps showing up. I yeah. was like, this is comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yeah, that's, that's when Donna reminds him of this old mutual friend of theirs, uh, Doris. Um, and she's, again, like like in the movie, she's a model. It's been horribly scarred after suffering an abusive relationship. So Bill's sensing that his fortunes are starting to turn. Uh, in the lab, Jan is learning to communicate with the cellar creature. Um, Kurt interrupts them, but is extremely frightened by her ability to command the monster. Um, meanwhile, Bill visits Doris and convinces uh her um to meet kurt and have him give a call consultation because he claims that kurt has found this revolutionary way of regenerating scars right back at the lab kurt has resolved to shoot the cellar creature in a bid to prove jan that he isn't weak as he opens the door to the port pardon 
<laughs> that's sick. That's just a great justification. Instead of like a convenient hatch being left open yeah. and people wandering yeah. their necks just a little too close to the neck. Yeah. Hatch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to fix that. Well, and I, I, I like that in this version too, Kurt recognizes the danger and is, and is going to show that he's got a spine by acting to stop the danger that he recognizes. Yes. Yeah. Even though it's going to blow up in his face. Like, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he opens the door to try and port and try and shoot this thing. Um, that's when Jan alerts the creature to the danger, uh, and it grabs Kurt Kurt's arm, ripping it to shreds, and Kurt dies. Bill arrives back at the house and feeds uh, Doris uh, a drink laced with a sedative. When he brings her body down he to roofies, the lab, he roofies her. Yes, he roofies her. Yeah, that's yes. good. <laughs> he just he discovers the carnage. Uh, Jan tells him it's, uh, it's over and to let her die again, he refuses and resolves to perform the transplant himself. Jan laughs, accusing him of being uh, like just full of hubris and being a talentless dropout. Um, so this is her moment to finally like, you know, reject, uh, Bill. Bill desperate is desperate and completely engulfed by his own ego. He just retorts that she has no idea what he's capable of. Um, just as he begins to prep Doris for surgery, the door to the cellar bursts open and out comes the grotesque uh, monster laden with half-dead limbs. Uh, it pushes Bill into a set of chemicals, starting a fire. The creature then finds uh, Kurt's gun, picks it up and points it at Bill. Jan shouts at the creature to stop, and in a display of humanity, it stops and throws the gun away. Jan and the creature exchange a knowing glance, and it picks up Doris and carries her uh, off to safety, leaving Jan and Bill to burn alive. The end. Sick. <laughs> uh, I think I think the creature. In I don't know which one of your two versions is the one that ends up getting getting made here, because I know I know that uh, you've got one in the chamber there as well, Liam. The creature in my mind needs to look more grotesque. Mm-hmm. It needs to, and I think you nailed it right on the head when you said it's just like mismatched limbs <laughs> all over the place. Like they've been, they've been <laughs> making something really horrific down there by just like adding stuff to a torso to see if they can like keep it alive. And yeah. then it came to life. And now it's this. Ju- it's not even humanoid. Like you know it's what it, just okay. like limbs. Have you ever gotten um uh, an allergy test where they like put like a you know like seven by seven needles like a grid yeah, yeah, of yeah. needles yeah. down yeah. on you? What if this torso of this chest is like it's a bunch of hands on the chest or arms on a chest or a torso? Yeah. But it was like the top left one was formula number one. Yes. One was like yeah, formula yeah. number two. And they're like the testing, which one. So some of them are strong and beefy. Some of them are gnarled and shitty. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I no, love 100%. that. All hands. Yeah. And we, and we would have the budget to do that and not just have a paper mache mask on a big actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, I, but I, I'm all on board with that. It needs to be a really hideous monster that then certainly in Greg's version shows more humanity than the non grotesque people. Mm-hmm. And I like that you've you've pumped some character motivations into it, like giving Kurt kind of this like needing to show he's got a spine, painting uh, Doctor Conter. Co- Co- I don't know. I think I said the first time. Courtner, Doctor Courtner is kind of this like weaselly uh, leech, which also has then as themes of like he literally grafts like he grafts onto a rich family. He grafts onto a school. Like he is also a foreign 
a, a foreign leech that will often be rejected and he's gone his whole life figuring out exactly how he can graft himself into places he doesn't belong. I like that as oh, a it's, theme. It's, yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, does this, yours, is, this is a really smart version. Greg, is are you thinking of this as like a genuine horror film or a comedy or a little comedy? I I actually was thinking like the tone uh, similar to Bodies, 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 just where like okay. um, privilege permeates the air and there's this sort of like dark superficiality about everything. Sure. Like, I, and sure. just, yeah, I, that's, that's, that was sort of like what I was thinking. I don't think that necessarily came across in in what I wrote necessarily, but oh, just like, but that's yeah. What I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. How would you describe bodies, bodies, bodies? I haven't seen that one yet. Comedy, it, like horror comedy, it, comedy. It, horror. Oh yeah. It's got like a comedy horror. Um, I would think I would probably lean this a little bit more on the, on the drama side. Um, but I think because like, um, uh, my version of bill is such a, you know, kind of, tech modern avatar that like yeah. adding that kind of like like comedy in order to like further lampoon that archetype i think would actually benefit this version of the well, film quite a bit and at the same time as well like the character's inherent narcissism would make a lot of the interactions with the other woman even if it's like a, a comically frustrating scene for him much creepier yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, yeah, then it's got, like, I would an argue uncomfortable cringe laugh as opposed to like an outright yeah. camp laugh because it's very campy in the original movie. And it, as I said, it's very tonally inconsistent with a lot of the more horror stuff that's going on. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think you could thread that needle if you, mm-hmm. if you had it written well, if you had it directed and shot well, you could thread that needle and make it so that it's on the one hand, it's like, yeah, this is funny, but it's also unsettling. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, did you have anyone in mind for the cast? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't go that far. I was going to say Inter- that because I went the, the other way. That's where I started. So. <laughs> oh, really? Before you get to yours, I just wanted to. I just yeah. wanted to um, mention some of the things I felt like um, I did address and I didn't address. So the one thing I wanted to get rid of was Jan being sort of like this sort of evil person. Like she kind of like is quasi evil in the movie proper and like i get the sense that like they're they're sort of saying like this 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 madness the you know the serum is driving her and, and like tapping into like this part of her i don't know what, what yeah that's there's, supposed to be kurt even has a, a a couple lines in the original film where he talks about how like she's just a brain she has no heart she ha- doesn't have a soul yeah and i felt like that that's the, they were kind of leaning on the she came back wrong Right. Thing. Yeah. Um, and I, because she's ultimately kind of the hero of the movie. I think mm-hmm. that that was, that was a weird deke in yeah. a way, because it's really framing her as the supposed villain, but really Bill is the villain. Um, yes. And I think, I think you could be more, if what you're saying is you want to be more clear that she is a victim, she's not the bad guy yes. right from the start. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that that was that was the one thing that was something that I was definitely trying to fix. Some of the things I didn't uh address very well was um the movies uh the movie proper's ideas of like beauty and things like that. Like most of it is <laughs> couched on like a, a woman's need to feel beautiful. Um and I still kind of like borrowed some of that because like Doris is still basically the same character with the same issues. Um, and I, and I like, you know, 
at time of recording. I didn't really have a way of sort of like massaging that in a way that wasn't didn't still feel like slightly gross or maybe just didn't address that particular aspect of her character in a way that was like meaningful or interesting. I actually have I have an interesting uh, this I'm not necessarily saying this is this is a pitch. This is just a thought experiment. What if Jan isn't a conventionally attractive woman, but Bill is looking for a conventionally attractive body for her? Because mm, then <laughs> it like, um, I, like I like that you asked that question, but I think it like almost in in any version, it sort of undermines the point to have her like. First of all, like what is like I know what you mean by conventionally attractive, but like generally when we talk about someone who's conventionally attractive, you're, you're Margot Robbie's, let's say there's very rarely a differentiation between the head and the body. Like it's it, like, okay. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like be- beautiful is beautiful. And that's like kind of almost in this original movie. I like that. It's this stunning woman. Who's just got a bit of a scar on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, and she feels like she's hideously, ugly, she's basically but. might as well just get rid of her own head. Um, and so to try to like, play into that more in 2023 i think is in a in a body positivity mindset i think i don't know that you can you would succeed if you tried to do that well no the only reason why i'm suggesting it is because it adds to bill's superficiality mm-hmm. that like he he would go out of his way to find what he thinks is a more attractive body for his decapitated girlfriend but again, um, it begs the question: Why was he with an ugly chick in the yeah, first place? No, I, 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 I mean, see that. That's, that's kind of why I had him go to like. I guess it's a strip house now, <laughs> like a, a stripper joint. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That's part of the reason why I, I chose that uh, that particular setting. Like it was more like it was more like he's de- he's definitely looking for a type, and that's that's his first idea. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. So I, maybe there's a little bit of that in there then. Yeah. And again, yeah. I wasn't suggesting that we necessarily go that way. I no, was I just kind of, I was lobbing it out there. Yeah, absolutely. That, yeah. 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 And, and I, I leaned on some tropes, like having Kurt be like a, a jealous guy who's, who's rejected or whatever. But I was like, I was trying to like introduce like some more toxic max masculinity elements uh, to go along with what was, Bill was doing. I, yeah. I was definitely reading that. Yeah. 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 And, and you don't want Kurt, you don't want Kurt to be too sympathetic. Just because he's being taken advantage of. Right. Because he's ultimately also working for the bad guy willingly. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about the this version is like I was trying to get away from uh, like the reason that I, the whole reason I picked Bill is like this guy who doesn't really understand science is because like in a modern context, a, uh, a, a like a rogue scientist who's doing monstrous things to people is not really what i would want to put out there right now given like the political Mm, climate surrounding scientists and things like that um so i don't so like i tried to keep him sort of like on this like you know give him elements of like he's trying to do he's trying to do the right thing or whatever but like he also you know he kind of loses himself to mass to uh toxic masculinity instead of losing himself to science, right? So I don't know. I don't know if that, that worked or came across, but that's what I was trying to do. Well, and Bill, Bill, definitely because of the 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 style of character, you're kind of the kind of archetype you're you're putting him in. Doesn't need to be a good doctor or scientist, but he can be convinced that he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like 
like he's the he's ultimately just the money man and the face of the company that he and Kurt are putting together. But like, <laughs> it's just like Glass Onion, right? It's yeah. uh, it's a guy who's co- who's convinced the world that he's the genius and has bought into that own uh, that own conception of himself. He's 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 buying what he's selling. Yeah, I like it. I like that pitch a lot. I think that really that really modernizes it and touches on a lot of interesting modern themes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I like it because you yeah. didn't cast it. Uh, <laughs> most of what I was was casting it, and like I have a few story beat things written out. Um, and it, I was more going for like a tone, so we can take most of what you've put here, and I I will take I will take the baton now, and I would like to cast it. Okay. Um. Yes. So I that that image of the lady. Um, you know, Jan in the rig with the, you know, headphone looking things on the side of her face and the head sock. Jan in the pan, as they call her on Mystery Science Theater. Jan in the pan, there you go. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, who, whose face do I want on that poster? Who do I want to see like that? And I literally just was like, who's got a round face with like a round, round eyes, round cheekbones? Um, And so I think uh, the main uh, cast, uh, Ayo Idibri. Um, You've seen the bear. She's in the bear. Give me oh. guys a second to Google that. Um, <laughs> EYO, uh, AO Adibri. I, the first, uh, the first person that came to my mind was you were describing it was Florence Pugh. Mm. That's fair. Um, I, I appreciate, uh, Liam going out of his way to cast, uh, a non-white actor, though. Mm-hmm, I, I'd mm-hmm. love to tell you I did, uh, but it's it was round, round face first. <laughs> was Fair really enough. how we got there. Just, <laughs> just uh, no. But uh, I, at the same time, I'm I'm all for adding some diversity yeah, to the cast. Great, because I then also continued that trend with uh, who I would cast as uh, um, the doctor. Uh, so if his his uh, yeah uh, doctor, I just was like, who are actors that I like to see in things? Um, and there's a great uh, comedic actor getting a lot of work right now. He's overdue for a break. Let's give it to him. Starring role to Sam Richardson. Uh, if you've uh, seen, I think you should leave. He's the other guy. That's not Tim Robinson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seen, yeah. Um, I would. Uh, here's Ted Lasso. He's here's. In. I'm going to. I'm going to suggest a slight change in the casting with Sam Richardson. Sure. If you wanted to cast him, he shouldn't be Bill. Bill needs to be a white guy. He should be Kurt. The guy that Bill's mm. taking advantage of. Okay, so I, I appreciate the thought. I've got two two black actors in my lead, and also because I have the best Kurt. I okay. decided who I wanted to be Kurt, and then as we were watching the movie, Kurt has a big dramatic scene where he gets to really like chew the scenery and like yell at Jan, and I couldn't stop laughing for who I want to play Kurt. If Sam Richardson is our uh, doctor, uh, Tim Robinson is the gnarly-armed Kurt. <laughs> And I want you to go back on YouTube and about two thirds into the movie, like beginning of the third act, end of the second, when he's like yelling at her, imagine it in Tim Robinson's voice and then imagine him like walking next to the hatch door and being like, you think there's a monster in there? You think I'm not going to fight the monster? You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Like, uh, so Curtis Tim Robinson. I, I would I would definitely watch uh, an I Think You Should Leave version of this movie because it would be fantastic. The way that he can contort his face is just beyond the pale. I don't I don't understand how he's able to do the things that he does. Yeah. And so if you haven't figured out, mine is is very much a comedy. Uh it's yeah. played um comedy first horror premise, but almost a farcical comedy. The vibe I want is like a sweaty, frantic, desperate tone throughout. One of the reasons I want to keep the jazz music. Um, Cause like, he for they talk a couple times about how he needs to get a new body quickly. He needs to 
Uh, she's, she's only got so long to exist as a head. She's desperate to find a solution to her problem, get the telepathy to work, get the monster going. Everyone is very desperate in this movie. And the movie as it stands is slow as hell. It's And, and I don't even chalk it up to being a movie from the 60s. It's slow for a movie from the 60s. It's a drag. So I want this like sweaty, neo-gothic freneticism, like like deranged reanimator and panicking. And the, the, the tone I would love to strike would be like, has anyone ever seen I mean, Uncut Gems? Uh, or oh, like, yeah. That's a little okay. um, ambitious. The other one would be Death of Stalin. Death of Stalin. Okay. okay. Um, yep. swap out, obviously, uh, some of the like rat-a-tat dialogue that the Death of Stalin guys are known for, like really witty, you know, Aaron Sorkin, but funny, re- yeah, political kind of stuff and switch that out like for practical gore, big campy performances. But that sort of like urgent desperation, I think is the vibe that I want. Uh, especially like kind of sweaty and panicked and dirty. Um, have you seen Our Flag Means Death? Yes. Yeah, like I, I'm, that's kind of what I'm thinking as you're describing it, because like yeah, our flag means so. our flag means death feels like it, it could it could easily go into like horror gory territory uh, and still mm-hmm. maintain its its comedy quite well. And it's it, it kind of exists in a heightened comedic reality, yeah, exactly. um, without necessarily succumbing to cartoonishness. Um, so I'm thinking a lot of like Dutch angles and just like Sam Richardson all like greasy and sweaty carrying the head through the woods. Um, I don't know who directs it. I want someone with a real heightened sense of strangeness, so like a Rob Zombie, an early Tim Burton, uh, Edgar Wright, uh, Boots Riley was the other the only other one I could kind of think of. Uh, sorry to bother you, but I don't know that I want to name any of those guys. Um, I think it's just that. Give me someone who can can create a heightened reality that's still fairly grounded. Um, uh, like a, if if he wasn't really big right now, like a James Gunn. Yeah, yeah, actually, like, like, slith- like Slither, Slither era, James, era Gunn. James Gunn is exactly what I'm. <laughs> what I'm thank you for thinking of that. That's perfect. Um, Megan Gantz could write it. I've just been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny lately, and I love that sort of friend, like the freneticism of It's Always Sunny of like the people like yelling over each other. There's like a panic, like we gotta move. Um, Liam, so, we would yeah. write it. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the gist of it. Um, in terms of tone, that uh, a farce, a sweaty frantic farce with Aoa debris uh, and her big, beautiful eyes and her big, beautiful cheekbone, Sam Richardson finally getting to play it really big. And then Tim Robinson as the funniest bit. And it, the whole thing's played as a farce. That's my, that's my, my pitch for the who's and is it set in the 1960s still, or is it set in modern times? No. And that's, I think where a lot of the, the, the differences are going to, um, might, might pop up. Was yours set in the, sorry, am I, am I mistaken? No, mm-hmm. it, Greg's is very modern. Okay, that's what I thought. Sorry, just the way you yeah. phrased that made it sound like I'm like, wait, was yours the 60s and I didn't pe- catch it? No, mine's modern as well. Uh, and so that's uh, just, I kind of like Greg's better, I think, than what I had. Um, I think because it's the reason I, those things, those details exist in Greg's serve a character, whereas mine was more just like, how can I make it modern? <laughs> yeah. No, I I like I like that your, your pitch is very different from Greg's tonally. I like mm-hmm. that you leaned more into the the inherent farcical comedy of it and and you're focused on that with the horror as the background i do also like that greg is doing Mm -hmm. it more serious as a horror movie which has a little bit of comedy sprinkled throughout your cast is great for your movie liam Mm -hmm. but does not work for greg's might not work for for tim robinson doesn't and again with with greg's version bill has to be a white guy but i like the idea of kurt being a black guy in greg's version Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. just to add a little more diversity. And because, of course, the white guy is taking advantage of the black guy. Yeah. Of course he is. There's there's themes about like bodily autonomy and white people's presumption of it. So, yeah. Um, but if you'll indulge me, uh, somehow I figure how I frame it in, in our modern contest context. Yeah. Um, I think he's a biological chemist. Uh, he's not the best one, but he's like a keener at the company. And that company is the place where they're like grafting shit onto animals. Like a couple years ago, there was an ear was like grown oh, yeah. on yeah, a okay. mouse. I know that's more like growing as opposed to grafting, but that same kind of vibe. This like he works for a legitimate medical company who are trying to like research grafting technologies on animals in a way that is like sane and pragmatic. And he's the one guy who's kind of like too into it. He's kind of <laughs> like de- like a little too excited to be making reanimation juice. He's a keener and he cannot wait to start. He's like every day someone in the office is like, we can't test it on humans, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say, if you're going with a more farcical comedy, you're setting it at this animal testing lab. Greg's monster works for Greg's movie. In your movie, the monster is uh is an animal that has human body parts all over it, right? Yeah, that's a great like it's great, like it's a that. pig yeah, with yeah. human arms and legs, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, sweet. I love that. A bunch of mice with little like you know ears on them and shit. Yeah, okay, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so yeah, because he's kind of this like over eager keener who just is like, I love, I want to do this on humans, guys. Everyone is kind of like. He's a bit of a social pariah. People don't know what to make of him. People in his in the in the workplace are like kind of put off by him. And like he's so intense. He's a bit of an outcast. But any doubts that he's like fully off his rocker are curtailed by the fact that his wife is a sweetheart and a smoke show. And she's like, well, if that lady is into him, there's obviously he can't be all bad. Uh, but he is all bad. He's a he's a maniac. Um, I, I had her still get beheaded, uh, on a car accident. I hadn't, I like your, your glass pool thing. Um, and then the only other thing I really changed was the scenes where he's shopping for a body. Um, one, I want that sweaty freneticism. I want, I love the game of like, yeah, yeah, just you, just you not, don't call your friend. Oh, Don, now your friend's here. I don't want, it reminds me of those Matt Berry sketches. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, he's like, he'll see a woman holding a big object or doing something awkward and he'll offer to help as a way to flirt. And then the second he's holding the big fish tank on the street, she'll be like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I got this fish tank because I'm moving in with my boyfriend. Boyfriend. And then he just drops the fish tank and that's the bit every time is some big yeah. prop. I've, I've seen those. Yep. <laughs> that That's the sort of vibe I want with him trying to like every time he gets close, someone else shows up. And he's like, ah, God damn it. Uh, however, instead of it being... Uh, a, a brothel or a, a, a strip club instead of it being a model. I think he, I want to get it modern. So I think the first one is at a Tinder hookup. He just starts yeah, like, okay. trying to find anyone who'll meet, meet him on Tinder. He just swipes, swipes right. Start swiping. He, so he's <laughs> trying to get a Tinder hookup. That doesn't work. And instead of a beauty pageant, he gets the idea to go to like a gym, maybe an MMA gym. Cause then it's less of a beauty thing and more of like, we, we need a strong body on her. We need a tough body. Um, and then all of it culminates, uh, with Doris, uh, the person with the, the, the scar on her face is an OnlyFans model that he realizes lives in the same city as him, like some landmark or something gives it away on her Instagram. Um, and she photoshops out the blemish, but it means she can never do live videos. And he's like, I can get, you want to make money with live videos? Let me fix your face up, baby. 
you won't have to Photoshop it anymore. I've I've got Photoshop on a stick uh, and takes this OnlyFans model uh, back to his laboratory to do insane testing. And then the rest plays out more or less the same. I like the idea of an animal monster that we just pitched now. It's farcical. It's gory. There's lots of like, like evil dead style, like blood and guts. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, it's a farce. <laughs> yeah. It, and the jazz music take, but all the way, that, all that way freneticism. Through. I want the jazz yeah. music. I want a modern, like, yeah. Did you have a take on, on how you would make the jam character funny? Um, I think, I don't know that she's necessarily funny. I think she's more just like kind of desperate, but in a, in a very, I know I keep saying desperate, but like, I think once she starts to realize the telepathy is kicking in, she, she realizes like, that's her equivalent of like reaching for the, you know, I can just reach the key out of this cell. Right. Yeah. I, I got to get this telepathy to work. And so I think a lot of the jokes with her is her trying to get the telepathy to function the way she wants without Kurt getting too involved. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like her versus Kurt. And then, you know, again, he, I want that Tim Robinson, like deranged, like belittling uh, that ends in getting eaten by a monster arms ripped off by a monster. Um, so yeah, I, d- I hadn't really thought of how to make her funny, uh, other than the, like the bizarreness of her scenario. Like she's empathetic and her scenario is funny. Whereas yeah. I think Sam Richardson is in a, maybe a more grounded scenario and he's so over the top. He's almost like a mad scientist working in a modern laboratory is kind of the bit. Yeah. Like he, he well, works and- at a normal laboratory and he's got the same energy as doc Brown. Like, and there's, there's something to be said about tension creating, comedy in itself yeah and there's definitely some tension in this innocent woman who's in a who's like very sane and very grounded who have these two buffoons who are ostensibly trying to help her but yeah. are just <laughs> making things worse every step of the way yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I feel he, like he, like she can straight man the two of them yeah yeah, yeah 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 she's the straight man and she's in the in the powerless position of being ahead and yeah, he can even be like, I get thinking Tim Robinson, like, yeah, he tried to fix my arm. It's all gangly now. I can't do nothing with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I like both of these versions. I, I, I legit like both of these versions. Uh, I think I like Greg's a little more just because my, my inclination would be to go like a more serious horror movie, but I would watch your movie, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. and I'd probably enjoy it. Yep. I have, I have a slightly different pitch. Um, and, I'm not certain it works because I feel like there's something to be said about the body horror of having Jan be a disembodied head. But if you want to make it modern, what about uh, her tech bro boyfriend, her bill saving her by downloading her brain into a computer? You know, I, I, I stopped there on my walk to what I ended up with. I like that you thought of that too. Um, because, uh, and, and again, I'm not certain that it works just because I, I get wanting to do the body horror aspect of it, but there's something to be said about being a disembodied brain in a machine and still like begging to be allowed to die. And you could have a question about like, is she like, she could be questioning even if she's still human because she's just a digital mind mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and Bill is this tech bro who's trying to like find a new body to download her into. Um, and instead about the monster being like. Uh, a bunch of body parts grafted to a uh, torso in my version, he's got a robot in the lab and in the, in the, in the climax, she downloads her brain into the robot and she kills him. 
Oh, and sick. then allows and allows them both to die. Like the, the also, lab is still on fire, and she kills him to stop him from like down downloading her digital brain into this woman he intends to brain kill, and allows the flames to take them both. That's kind of that's kind I, of what I was flirting with. I like that a lot. I do. The name of the movie is the brain that wouldn't die. So I like if the one part of the person is the like there is a physical gooey brain hooked up into a computer. And then that robot is a robot with a human brain like sticking out the top like a glass dome on it. Maybe like you can see, you know, like it's there's a human brain in that machine. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it was something that I was playing with to really modernize it, to like bring it to modern technology. Mm-hmm. And the idea of her being a disembodied mind in a machine and how horrifying that would be kind of spoke to me a little bit. Yeah. Um, even though I famously have said, like, when the time comes, download my mind into a machine. Absolutely, mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> I want to live forever. There's a part of me that recognizes the existential dread of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm worried that walks up to a lot of modern sci-fi horror like um, Ex Machina, mm-hmm. um, where it's kind of been done a little bit. There was a there was a Johnny Depp movie that did that as well, where the guy gets his brain downloaded into a machine and turns evil. I don't think Jan turns evil in my version, but I in the end, the reason why I kind of walked back from this, although I, I wanted to mention it, mm-hmm. I just wanted to put it out there. Was because I I think that there's something to be said about the body horror of her being a disembodied head. Yeah. yeah. Though it does kind of evoke the, you know, famously a, a movie we've done on this podcast that I did not like, but RoboCop 2014, one of the few affecting scenes of that. Oh, yeah. Cash grab nonsense yeah. is when he's alone and he's just a lung and an arm and a yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you're yeah. like, oh, that's gnarly. It's kind of got those <laughs> vibes of like, you see her brain or maybe even her head in that head sock, but it's in like a glass case that's connected to a bunch of like computer. Yeah. That's connected to a bunch of machines and computers. Yeah. yeah. I definitely think in uh, no matter which version of this we did, the, the contraption that's keeping her alive should be more elaborate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, you, maybe you can see her, a little bit of her spine or whatever. Like, it's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just to, yeah. Just to increase the, uh, the, the horror-ness of it all. Yeah. I liked uh, – one of the things that I liked in the original version as well uh, was that – and I don't know if this was – she was directed this way or if it was just a choice that Virginia Leith made – was that when she's beheaded, when she's talking, her voice is very raspy. And it's because she doesn't have lungs. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, and I was like, that's really smart. And just like stuff like that, that you could do. Ah, oh, I love it. Mwah, yeah. Chef's kiss. Yeah. I think the only thing I really want to see is, is that freneticism. Cause I was really chapped at how, like, not only was it weird to watch this movie as it stands, where it's just this guy like going from sex worker to sex worker, trying to murder them, <laughs> which is like, not, you know, it's a drag. <laughs> Um, but also he, he really approaches them. Like he's got all the time in the world. Like, Hey baby, why don't you cut? Like, he's actually trying to charm them. And it's like, no dude, you're, you're trying to steal a living corpse. Like, why are you so like, why are you offering people drinks? Like, it's like, hurry up. Is he also, doesn't he have a line when he goes, when he fails the first day and then he tells Kurt, like, there are things that can be left for tomorrow and he does it all in like an evil way or whatever. But like, yeah, he's like, he wasn't in a rush at all. Yeah. Like in my version, like he gets chased by the cops and he's like freaked out or whatever. So like, there's a reason why it takes an extra day for him to, to figure things out. But yeah, yeah, I totally. Yeah. 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 
we've I like we've pitched some some modern remakes, you guys. Yeah, this is uh, I, I quite like this. I, I don't know how many public domain movies I want to watch, but it's a <laughs> fun way to to make a meal out of having watched them. Uh, and uh, so did our uh, some of our listeners. Thank you to those who responded. Obviously, this is new territory for us. So uh, any thoughts on a movie, even if it's not fixes or remakes, just any uh, anything you got to say about a movie coming up, we encourage you to share those thoughts wherever you might find us. X, Twitter, bit of a dumpster fire right now. Facebook, not much better. I encourage you to please come join us on the I Have Some Notes Discord. Um, you can find a... You can find link a link that, for it uh, on our link tree. Yeah, sorry, and on our and on our website as well at uh, I have some notes dot com. Uh, and that is one of the places you can send us your notes. Uh, like at Wolfman's camera uh, said, definitely keep the end credit where they change the name of the movie to the head that wouldn't die. You want to keep the audience on their toes. <laughs> also, Carla, Carla Gugino. Oh, Carla Gugino as the head. I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah, she was in the the Netflix Haunting of Hill House and the mm-hmm. um, Turning of the Screw one. I forget what that was called. Haunting of Blythe Manor. Mm. I think that's and that's right. anyway. this isn't a joke. This is an honest question. That's not the lady that was in the first season of Mandalorian who got canceled. No, no, okay. <laughs> that's Gina Carano. Oh, okay, there we go. Carla pretty Giano. Sh- pretty sh- Gina pretty sure I got that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was also in um, uh, Gerald's Game, which I think is a Netflix movie that's yep. surprisingly good. Yeah, she's actually she's fantastic, and like kudos, a great suggestion. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, she's she's maybe a she's maybe a little older than I picture Jan being, but she would be a great person to play the part. I will say, mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. dig it. Uh, well, that's going to conclude our first ever. Uh, remake, modernization episode, and the first of our new season. Uh, So thank you for joining us on season nine of I Have Some Notes. Uh, You can follow us facebook.com slash I Have Some Notes, uh, at I Have Some Notes on Twitter and Blue Sky, at I Have Some Notes pod on Instagram. And of course, we'd love to just have you come right to our front door here uh, on our Discord, which you can find the link to I Have Some Notes.com. Wherever it is you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, review on the podcast app of your choosing. Yeah, you can also head over to patreon.com slash I have some notes right now and uh, support us financially as well. We are no longer with a network and it helps keep the lights on around here. So we do appreciate anything that you could throw our way to help us out. And we definitely currently appreciate all of our current patrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it keeps yeah. the lead paint flowing into our pans. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much. And as we continue to try and adapt as the the strikes are ongoing, um, we don't necessarily know exactly what we're going to be doing in two weeks. But we, if you do keep tabs on our on our Discord and our socials, you will be surely the first to know. Until then, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Scotty Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Keep watching those skies. Skies.